Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studios, it's time for Workplace MVP. Workplace MVP is brought to you by R3 Continuum, a global leader in workplace behavioral health and security solutions. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gassman. Hi, everyone. Your host, Jamie Gassman here, and welcome to this episode of Workplace MVP. When a crisis event happens, whether it is a large-scale or small-scale incident, the effects of the event tend to put things into perspective, leading us to reflect on our current lives and reevaluate what matters most. Over the last year with the COVID-19 pandemic, many of us have done just that, and as a result, it is leading to a dramatic increase in resignations and what is now being referred to as the Great Resignation. In April and June alone, the Department of Labor recorded a record 4 million people resign their jobs in each month. And this level of resignation, coupled with a shortage of job seekers, has workplaces looking to strengthen cultures and create a work experience for their employees where they have no need to leave. What are the secrets to keeping that strong work experience that no one wants to leave? And with us today to share best practices for how they have been able to create a great work experience for employees is Workplace MVP, Rosanna Preston, Director of HR and Administration for Rosedale Transport. Welcome to the show, Rosanna. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's start off. Walk us through your career journey and how you you came into your position as Director of HR and Administration at Rosedale Transport. Well, I uh, was kind of just trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and uh, got a job at a nearby transportation company. And I was very fortunate in that I met many different mentors that afforded me the opportunity to move through, learn and grow. So my uh, all things trucking passion started with me working for the safety department, the recruiting department, the administration, uh, getting involved in training and development, and then moving into management. As my career continued to progress, again, I remained able to continue to grow and kept me so involved in the trucking industry. Um, With mentors and support, I moved forward and I have been able to continue my career in HR and administration uh, as a director for Rosedale and focus on a goal, my own goal, to be committed to creating a respectful workplace, one that encourages personal and professional growth and is psychologically safe for everyone. Fabulous. So tell us a little bit about Rosedale Transport. You know, how many employees you have? Um, obviously, it's, it's, it does transportation like t- trucking. So talk to us about, you know, you know, where your drivers are transporting to and just kind of give us a little bit of background. I can. About 52 years ago, two gentlemen and one truck decided to start a trucking company. They had a vision. That vision, well, we celebrated our 50th anniversary with a huge, huge party, and that vision turned into what Rosedale is today. Predominantly, we specialize in floor covering. The transportation of floor covering represents about 60% of our business. 
60 to 70. The rest is general freight. We have a terminal location in Dalton, Georgia, which everyone knows is the carpet capital. Um, so two men and one truck grew to 15 locations across Canada, one in the U.S., and about 800 employees and 1,700 pieces of equipment. Wow. All from two men in a truck. Two men in a truck. That's <laughs> Fabulous. how it all started. Yeah. So on a previous call that you and I had had, um, you shared that the organization has had a very strong retention history. So can you, you know, share with us and kind of elaborate a little bit on that, what your retention history looks like? Absolutely. So when we talk about retention in the trucking industry, it generally focuses with drivers because that is one of the biggest problems. I'm proud and happy to say that when I look at the company's retention from zero to one year, we're running at 77.3%. From zero to 30 years, we're running at 85%. I believe our retention numbers are high because we're a good company to work for and we're a people company. As far as the staff, we talked a little bit about that. There's many, many people across our organization that have received their 25-year watches, like myself, for over 30 years. And uh, I guess we kind of joke anybody under 10 years is a newbie. And uh, again, that speaks for um, the company and people just don't leave. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, um, are you, you know, looking at this year coming out of COVID and and having um, organizations with this great resignation, are you seeing any impact on that? Or is your retention still staying strong? Our retention is still staying strong. During COVID, unfortunately, the economy um, and and every company, I think, took a bit of a hit. And uh, for the first time in our history, we had to lay off some employees on the operating side of the company. Most of them have been brought back. Great. Great. So what do you feel is really helping to create this work environment that employees want to stay at, especially your truck drivers? I mean, you know, you see a lot of articles that there's, you know, hiring issues with truck drivers and even in the trucking industry in general. So what do you think is helping with your work environment that's making that difference? I think being visible Uh, Being honest, transparent, and down-to-earth has created an environment that promotes that kind of retention. Over the years, we have kept our focus on staying current, and we're not a one-size-fits-all type of organization. We stay current and try and know what is important to, uh, to our people, and I believe those are some of the facts that promote retention. Yeah. So by staying current, are you, what types of things do you do to make sure that you're staying current with them? Are you out having conversations with the staff? Are you doing team surveys? You know, what are some of the things that you're monitoring that help you to know that you're hitting that mark? I think first of all, staying in touch with the times, you know, today's worker is a lot different than someone 30 years ago, you know, things, you know, we all know that today people are looking for that work-life balance. The days of people working, uh, you know, from sunup to sundown are gone. People don't want to do that anymore. And there's been a lot of corporations that at one time demanded that type of of, uh, time from their employees. They're not around anymore. 
So understanding the culture, understanding how people have changed, that that is uh, learning that we have to stay on top of and not just hunker down and think, well, that was the way it was 40 years ago, because that's not the way it is today. Uh, So we've kept that focus of staying current and listening to the people, being visible, kind of establishing that comfort where if someone sees you, they're not shy to come up and say, hi, how, how are you doing? Whether it's the president, the vice president, or any one of the directors. I mean, no one is uh, reluctant to come and say hello, that's for sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, and you mentioned culture a couple of times, you know, why is that so important in relation to retention, in your opinion? Well, we spend a lot of time at work. Uh, Sometimes we see the people that we work with more than we might see a family member. Liking what you do and where you do it makes it all the better. If you have all the other factors that work for you, such as salary, opportunities to grow, you like where you work and you feel like you're a part of the organization, why would you leave? I mean, other than, of course, if someone got transferred or, or there's some extenuating circumstance. But but why look for greener grass when your grass is already green? Mm-hmm. That's a great point. <laughs> and a lot of people do that. They'll seek that greener grass. I know in my own career, I've seen people that will leave, you know, when you've got things that are pretty good. And then I, I, I generally see them come back, which is interesting. Do you sometimes see that in your own work environment? Oh, very much so. I mean, we have one gentleman, unfortunately, uh, you know, he knows that if if there's a spot open, we'll bring him back, but he left for greener pastures. And sometimes I find people are not always honest about the job that they're presenting and someone leaves and they get to their other place and it's not quite what they thought it was. And, uh, and then uh, they either stay there or try and come back. We have a lot of people that we've rehired. Yeah. Interesting. So, and I know you've previously shared when you talk about the culture that you built, which sounds like an amazing environment for those employees, you know, with that visibility to leadership and, you know, kind of transparency and comfort. Um, you've also, you, you've, you know, you build that, that culture within the main terminal, but you've been able to replicate that across all the other terminals, and also replicate that with your your drivers that are out on the road. So can you share a little bit about what were some of the, the ways that you've been able to um, kind of maintain that culture across the entire organization in all areas that employees might be working? Sure. <clears throat> well, one of the things is consistency. The same message throughout the organization, whether you're in Winnipeg, Montreal, or Toronto, it's the same message. It's the same company. We promote an inclusive management style and respect in the workplace is paramount here. Again, so it's the same message that that transcends all the locations. One of the things we like to do a lot is have fun. And uh, pre-COVID, I think I was explaining to you, we celebrated everything that we possibly could. Um, So head office would send out a call to action that we're going to be celebrating these days, but then how that locations decided to celebrate it was up to them. They know what their people like. They know which day would be the best day to celebrate. And we allowed them to run with their, the managers and their cheerleaders were able to run with 
creativity, food choices, decorations, everything was left up to them. If we were having food truck in Mississauga, that necessarily didn't mean Montreal was going to have one. They might have done something different. Our marketing team always helped by sending all the branches out, material. Uh, we, we probably have bought more baseball caps then I don't know what the, the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we have them distributed throughout the organization. And of course, that's good advertising for us as well. We change them up because you can't have the same hat two years in a row. So different locations know what works best for them. And of course, and again, uh, pre-COVID, I'm hoping we can get back to this. Uh, we always had chocolate at all the stations, the office, the warehouse, the uh, dispatch area, chocolates for Valentine's Day, Easter, Halloween. There's just something that starts off your day when you walk in and you can put your hand in a bowl and, and take some chocolate and away you go. So we would definitely want to get back to that. Might do it a little different. All the candy will be wrapped and so on. We'll figure it out. But it certainly won't stop us from celebrating in the future. Yeah. It's amazing what chocolate can do for a work environment, right? Oh, chocolate. And I'll tell you, one of the most popular was the ice cream truck. It was really funny. It was only going to be here in Mississauga until about three o'clock and drivers or three 30 drivers had gotten city drivers had gotten stuck in traffic or whatever. And they were calling and saying, hold the ice cream truck. I'll be there. I'm going to (laughs) be a half an hour away, you know? So a little thing like the ice cream truck was the highlight of everybody's day. Yeah. It just, you know, breaks a little bit of business as usual and gives you something fun to look forward to. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in addition to some of the fun that you've kind of created within that culture, you also talked a lot about some of the incentives that you've established. So how, how did you identify what's the right fit for the incentives and, um, and how did that help in driving motivation and, um, employee engagement and involvement in, in achieving those? We have two incentives that surround dollars, money, and um, one of them is a years of service bonus. And what that one is, is that the years of service, every employee receives $150 every year, accumulates to a maximum of $3,000. So a 30-year employee like myself, I I look forward to getting a $3,000 bonus check just because that's the seniority that I have. We give that bonus out at Christmas time. And a a few years ago, someone questioned, was that the right time during the holiday season? So we asked our employees, do you like getting your years of service bonus at the holiday season? Would you like to get it at a different time? Overwhelmingly, everybody liked it during the holiday season. So that's one uh, bonus. And the second one is a profit sharing bonus. And based on the profitability of the organization, everyone top down, bottom up, doesn't matter how you say it, part time, full time is entitled, uh, receives a annual profit sharing portion. And uh, again, that is something that everybody looks forward to. I've been here 30 years, we haven't missed a year yet. And it's inclusive of all employees. Yeah. I like that. You've kind of got that balance of a personal type bonus, as well as a team incentive bonus. You're kind of meeting both areas of what, you know, typically would drive some of that motivation from employees. 
Absolutely. Balance. So in looking at your drivers, I know you mentioned early on that, you know, one of your objectives is to make sure that the full work environment has that psychological safety. And you've talked about how you extend the culture a little bit into your drivers. Um, but how do you extend some of that psychological safety when they're out on the road? Um, you know, cause I imagine some of your drivers are probably out, you know, for the full week, you know, I don't, they're, they're long, long road drivers. Um, so how are you supporting them, uh, when they're not actually in the terminal? Most of our highway drivers. So we have the city drivers and the highway drivers. Most of our highway drivers are home a minimum of twice a week. So they don't have runs that take them away for weeks on ends, like some other carriers do. So communication is key. And uh, we use different forms of communication. Our line haul team, which works closely with the uh, highway drivers, is responsible to make sure that they pass on information. We use satellite messaging. We use emails to their home. That's something new we started a couple of years ago, sending emails out to their homes so that they can get they can receive communications, share them with their wife and so on. There's always posters, events, and we try and make sure that there's enough lead time um, so that everybody can, uh, can see what's going on and what's new. We take into consideration all of our shift workers too. Like we have people that work midnights and afternoons and so on. So we have to make sure that the highway drivers and people on different shifts are never excluded from anything that's going on. Yeah, perfect. And I, I imagine, you know, receiving that information at home helps them to push that communication to their their spouses or significant others if they are getting, you know, a little busy in their tra- in, in transporting goods. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes we have to put up a notice to say, please make sure you check your home email when you go home tonight, because <laughs> there's a message from us. But uh, yeah, we, we do find a way to communicate. That's for sure. Oh, fantastic. So we're going to take a word from our sponsor real quick. So Workplace MVP is sponsored by R3 Continuum. R3 Continuum is a global leader in providing expert, reliable, responsive, and tailored behavioral health, crisis, and violence solutions to promote workplace well-being and performance in the face of an ever-changing and often unpredictable world. Learn more about how R3 Continuum can tailor a solution for your organization's unique challenges by visiting r3c.com today. So over the last year, when you were navigating the pandemic, what were some of the things that you implemented that helped to maintain your work culture, especially as you had employees that moved remote? Uh, Well, the first thing that we did was take a look at what we could change and to help promote that, that safety uh, and we, for example, we implemented changes to longstanding procedures such as signing, go, driver will go to a customer's, get paperwork, sign the paperwork, there's an exchange of pens and paperwork and so on. So we took a look at those things and uh, to lower the risk, we changed those policies that had been ingrained for years and years. We told them they don't have to get signatures anymore. Just make sure you write down the name of the person that received the goods or that you picked up from. We formed a team across the country with individuals from all of the locations to assist with questions and 
deal with concerns and help with communication, we created a hotline for employees to reach either by phone because our uh, cell phone numbers were posted or by email. They could reach the hotline by email, again, if they had any concerns. We continue to provide personal protective equipment for all the employees. Uh, that includes canisters for the highway drivers to keep with them. When the canister's empty, they bring it back, they get a new one. So they can wipe down um, you know, where they've been, wipe down their trucks and so on. We provide daily kits for the city drivers. They pick up their bills, they pick up their kit, away they go. Again, to wipe down gloves if they need them and so on. So we continue to do that. Um, we're transparent. We always let employees know, and we're very fortunate. We have very few cases of COVID, but we did have some, and we were very transparent about it. We let people, we let all the employees in that facility know um, that there had been an outbreak of one individual, and uh, I don't know that that's an outbreak, probably the wrong word. One individual had, had COVID, and then we got the terminal fogged, or we did whatever corrective measures we had to to make sure, again, that it was safe. So as an essential service, most of our employees worked from the facility. We had very few that worked remote. We did have a couple, and we made sure that we always passed on through uh, communication anything that was important to, to them. Yeah. So were those remote employees ones that requested to work remote or were they in positions that it felt like it was, you know, more necessary that they be in a remote setting? A little bit of both. Some people were very uh, nervous of COVID or had elderly parents at home. They felt like they might want to work from home and we were able to facilitate that. Yeah. Very, very, that's always nice to be able to offer that, uh, that option. So now with, everyone's back, you know, obviously, you know, you continue to work as essential workers and in the office. Mm -hmm. um, how are the employees now? I mean, it sounds like you still have some of the PPE um, procedures in place. Yes. Um, you know, have things kind of started to go back to that new normalcy or how is the, how are the employees at this particular point um, with some of the COVID um, if the cases have risen or things of that nature in your area? We took a position that until the branches heard differently from head office, everything stayed the same. So all COVID protocols stayed in place. We still wear masks unless you're in your own office. Mm -hmm. uh, we wear masks as we travel through the building. We stay six feet apart. So we have not stopped any of the COVID protocols. And we still, as I say, continue to supply all the branches from head office. We kick it out of here. Um, uh, the, uh, the personal protection, uh, protective equipment for the people. Awesome. Yeah. And so looking at, you know, obviously Rosedale Group is a private organization. So some of the things that we talked about is, in your opinion, do you feel um, you're at more of an advantage in creating, you know, this, this work environment with different incentive programs and different, you know, fun activities than maybe a larger organization might be that is a little bit more matrixed or siloed? And you know, what are some of your thoughts around that? Well, I think there's definitely an advantage to being privately owned, but more than that, it's, it's the 
It's the mindset of ownership. And um, we're privately owned and we're a flat organization. We don't have a lot of red tape to go through. The management team is small. It's a case of, you know, two doors down, walking down to see the president and saying, what do you think about this? And how be if we do this? And same with our VP and GM and our sales manager. So we're privately owned and families involved in running the company. And I guess we're blessed because we have very similar mindsets and uh, we're all for, as I said, celebrating and we're all for listening to the people. We're all, so it, it, it's very easy to navigate uh, through those things. I mean, we don't always agree. You know, I don't want to create that, <laughs> that big lie, <laughs> right. but, uh, but it's, it's, it's easy. There isn't a lot of us. We talk about it, pros and cons. We try it. More importantly, we're not afraid to say, well, we won't be trying that one anymore. Sometimes <laughs> things don't work, you right. know, and you have to, you, you have to remember that you're human and you just move on to the next thing. Yeah. And so from a larger organization, you know, and knowing that they might have a little bit more red tape to go through or kind of more layers that they have to consider when making a decision, what are some of the things, you know, from your opinion that they could do in some of those maybe departments or sections that, um, of their organization that could help to instill that strong work culture? Well, I think you're never too big that you can't listen. You can't pay attention. You can't have empathy. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're in business to make money, of course, but we also employ 800 people. So, you know, you, you have to keep your finger on the pulse of what's important to people. There's no point in putting a procedure in place or, um, you know, a policy and it, it has no merit. It has no place in your organization. Um, you know, I think, I think keeping, and we talked about that a little bit at the beginning, keeping focus on what's new, what's important, what's changed, the different age demographics. You know, we have drivers that have come to us. Uh, there's five of them just in this location and they've crested 65 and they're not ready to retire, but they know they can't work five days a week. Well, that's easy. You just go and you talk to ownership and say, so-and-so has been with us, you know, 30 years. He'd like to go down to a four-day work week. Why would you say no? If the person can still do the job, still valuable to the organization from many perspectives, then yeah, okay, you can work four days a week, but, you know, you can maybe take Wednesday off. So work Monday, Tuesday, take a break, work Thursday, Friday, move on. Again, we're non-union. We can do a lot of those things and we, uh, we certainly try to do our best. Yeah. Creating a flexible environment to meet Absolutely. that employee where they're at. Yeah. Absolutely. And I got to imagine they appreciate that so much because it probably, especially if like, maybe it's a temporary thing, yep. they're going to remember that. Yes, absolutely. And again, that, you know, that holds true. Like if you have a line haul driver, and again, this has happened to highway driver, maybe his wife's having surgery. So he asks if he can stay more local for a little while, maybe only do Toronto, Montreal, that way he'll be home for sure. Um, and again, you can do those things, but you have to listen and you have to balance running an organization, being profitable with the needs of the people as well as the company. Yeah. 
you almost, and that's that whole um, creating that culture of transparency and, uh, you know, where the employee feels comfortable bringing that to you. Absolutely. Yeah. So in your opinion, just looking at, you know, what they are calling the great resignation, why do you think so many people are making career changes and moves at this particular point from your opinion? Uh, Well, I can give you a real life example. Um, Recently, I'd say within the last 18 months to two years, we've had uh, four individuals leave the same place of employment in our industry and apply for positions at Rosedale. And we hired them all and they're great. They have fit into our organization they, they like it. They, they stop me sometimes in the lunchroom and tell me how much they like it here. Why did four people all leave the same company? So, of course, I'm going to ask. And uh, I found out that basically the years that they had there took a secondary place to how they were feeling. They didn't like to come to work. Uh, there was broken promises. There was a lack of empathy and caring. Um, and they just didn't, they were no longer happy. So it didn't matter that some of them had four, five, six, eight years vested, things deteriorated for whatever reasons. And the people started to feel that and they, they left. And one of the, one of the gals, she said, if I get this job at Rosedale, great, but it isn't going to make a difference. I'm still leaving my place of employment and I will find another job. Well, fortunately it worked out. She came to Rosedale. So there's an example where four people all left one company because people stopped listening, people stopped caring um, and broken promises, as I said. Yeah. They lost that people focus. Absolutely. Absolutely. So crucial. So if you could provide advice to the leaders that are listening on um, to our show right now, you know, for what you have found works in ensuring strong retention, what would that be? Well, I think you have to believe in yourself. If you believe in yourself, if you have confidence within yourself, then other people are going to believe in you as well. I find being transparent uh, is really key. You know, we all make mistakes, admit it, and regroup and move forward. We're all human, and we should never act or feel as if we're on a pedestal. I think for HR leaders, you have to stay current. You can draw on your experience, but don't let that experience rule how you view things or rule your judgment. People are complicated. And I think you have to be careful that you avoid a rush to judgment. What works well for one person may not be the formula for another. Never stop listening. Never stop listening. And you need to build trust and have a passion for um, for what you do. I think you have to make sure that your actions mirror your words. People mm-hmm. say, oh, we have an open door. We do this, we do that. But if it's not real, people understand that very quickly and they don't have any faith in you or your organization. You can do the organization a disservice. And I think those are the, the important things to me. Everyone knows if they 
why I'd like to think everyone knows. If they come to me for an answer, they're going to get an answer. It may not be the answer they were looking for, but it will be an answer. And I think that is really important. Yeah. You say you're going to get back to somebody, get back to them. Yep, absolutely. I love that advice. That's great advice to leave those listeners, our listeners with. So if somebody listening does want to get a hold with hold of you and uh, learn a little bit more or just, you know, connect with you, how can they do that? Well, I would suspect email is probably the easiest. Would you agree? Email. Yeah. Or if you're on LinkedIn, I know some of our our guests are on LinkedIn, but email can also be a great way. Absolutely. Yeah. uh, LinkedIn is fine. I I don't seem to check that as often as I should. I promise I'll get better. Um, But my email is uh, ROS, like Sam, A, N, like Norman, A, P as in Peter, at rosedale.ca, R-O-S-E-D-A-L-E.ca. So it's Rosanna P at rosedale.ca. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today, Rosanna, and being on our show and for letting us celebrate you and sharing your stories and great advice with our listeners. We appreciate you, and I'm sure your organization and staff do as well. Thank you. It was certainly my pleasure. I enjoyed it, and uh, it was great. Yeah, absolutely great. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And we also want to thank our show sponsor, R3 Continuum, for supporting the Workplace MVP podcast. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you've not already done so, make sure to subscribe so you get our most recent episodes and other resources. And you can also follow our show on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at Workplace MVP. If you are a workplace MVP or know someone who is, please let us know. Email us at info at workplace-mvp.com. And thank you all for joining us and have a great rest of your day.